This is the I Am A Mainframer podcast, brought to you by the Linux Foundation's Open Mainframe Project. Episodes explore the careers of mainframe professionals and offer insights into the industry and technology. Now your host, Senior Analyst and Vice President of Sales and Business Development at Futurum Research, Stephen Dickens. Hello and welcome. My name is Stephen Dickens and I'm looking forward to today's conversation because I've got a dear friend and former colleague on the show, Eddie Chiliendo from Model 9. Hey Eddie, welcome to the show. Hey Stephen, good to be here. So our listeners may not know, we worked together pretty hand in glove for three years when we were both at IBM. So I think I've probably known you probably a little bit longer than me. I was thinking this morning, maybe five years or so. So as I say, I know you, but just to get our listeners and viewers orientated, just give a brief introduction and and tell people a little bit about what you do today for Modern Eye. Yeah, sure. So I'm the uh, global vice president for our uh, strategy and technology. So I do everything in Modern Eye from, you know, defining and which markets we should go in, uh, who we should partner with, uh, kind of our strategic alliances, but then also, you know, where do we want to go long-term with our product, uh, with our technology evolution, so on, that kind of stuff. So pretty- and you didn't mention you're the sort of public-facing face of Model 9 as the, and carrying on your tradition of being the best-looking man in the mainframe space. <laughs> well, you said that, but yeah, I mean, you know, I've always... It, and it, it's funny, right? Because uh, I always consider myself to be more of a shy guy, but I'm I'm, I'm very passionate about the, the mainframe platform. I'm very passionate about what we do. So uh, that that's why I like to speak up. That's why I like to, you know, be talking to uh, young people, be talking to analysts and just, you know, bring the message out there. Well, there's a backstory that we may or may not share at some point if you bump into us in a bar about that inside joke. But I'll I'll, I'll let Eddie off that one for this for the purposes of this podcast. I appreciate that, Steve. <laughs> so, tell tell some of the listeners about Model Nine. What do you guys do? Conscious, you're a relatively new name in the mainframe space. So let's yeah. go there first, and then we'll come back to you and kind of your history through the platform. Yeah, which is kind of. It's it's funny if you say we're relatively relatively new in the mainframe space, right? Because I mean that that is, and we probably will get into it uh, later on during, during this conversation here. I mean, I think everything that isn't like two decades old is relatively new in the mainframe space. But you're right. I mean, we're we're a we're a startup company. We were founded six years ago in 2016. Uh, and I mean, I could give you the marketing answer, but let me rather give it a technical answer because I think we're going to have more of a technical audience mm-hmm. here. I mean, our I think our unique value proposition is that we we connect uh, mainframes, Ivy mainframes running ZOS with the whole cloud slash object storage world, right? And uh, I think a lot of mainframers don't know a whole lot about object storage, so it's more probably the cloud people that know about object storage. But object storage, and I, honestly, I I, I I was the same, right? Until uh, Gil Pellick, our, our founder and CEO, approached me, I didn't really have a uh, understanding of object storage, but object storage, I mean, that's the, that's currently the big thing out there. Uh, uh, it's uh, very quickly rolling into the standard storage architecture for all cloud slash containerized applications. So it really is a big thing. There's a ton of innovation going on in, in the object storage space. 
And until Model 9 introduced the concept to uh, the IBM mainframe world, you, you know, the mainframe really was kind of disconnected from all that cool stuff, from all of that innovation. So that's that's a claim to fame to uh, for, for Model 9. And, you know, by using object storage, we then en uh, enable a couple of really cool use cases like using object storage for long-term retention for backup restore for third copies and cyber resiliency using it for as a platform for ai and machine learning so there's a lot of cool use cases but the underlying technology really is just you know bringing object storage and attach it to uh, to the us system so it's changing the paradigm i mean you know we've all heard of dasd you know direct attached storage device the sort of classic paradigm for probably since that mainframe was launched that's over your left left shoulder there in your office um back in the 60s has been to attach the storage directly to the box itself um and that's evolved over the years you know obviously emc hitachi and ibm have kind of evolved what that means but fundamentally the model's been direct attached storage to the box you guys come along and change that paradigm is that a sort of simple way of thinking about it yeah, absolutely, and you know it's it's kind of yeah it's kind of funny that you say that right, and we're probably gonna talk about this in, in, in a couple of minutes. But you know when I when I joined the mainframe uh, team at, at IBM uh, over two decades ago, you know I, I had a book on my table. You know we we still had desks, and I, I wanted to look smart, so I had a couple of really big books on my table, and one of them was about TCP/IP. And I remember one of the old mainframe guys coming to me and say, oh, look, boy, you don't have to learn anything about TCP IP because, you know, SNA is the thing. Nobody ever want, would want to have a protocol that is not controlled by the mainframe. And <laughs> it's the same thing right now, like over two decades later, that, you know, the, the storage paradigm uh, in the mainframe world is still old direct attached, right? FICON yeah. attached tape, FICON attached virtual tape, FICON attached DASD. And I think there's still some a bit of a reluctance you know, in people to say, hey, no, I can actually attach storage via TCP IP, right? I mean, the network has gotten so darn fast. Uh, the OSA cards and the mainframes are now uh, so capable. And again, you know, all the development that happened in object storage and cloud object storage now is so evolved that you really get great performance levels out of it. So yes, it is a paradigm shift and it just reminds me you know, kind of a, about the paradigm shift between SNA and the later TCP IP. So. Well, that gives me a perfect segue. You're the perfect host, Eddie. You're the perfect okay. guest, as always. Um, let's go all the way back. Let's talk. The show's called I'm a Mainframer. Let's get a little bit of your journey on the platform you mentioned there. You know, I think where you've ended up from sort of the roles that we've worked together in and kind of where you've started, that's a great sort of career trajectory. So maybe let's just wind all the way back. You finish college kind of in Europe. Where does where does that kind of take you from there on in? Yeah, and it, it actually, you know, kind of, I think my passion for the mainframe started way before college. Mm -hmm. It started with movies like War Games, if you remember that one. I do, I do, yeah. I love that. Exactly. For me, it's funny for me, you know, in, in that movie, so for, for all the younger kids uh, listening to this show here, you, you probably have to look that movie up. But, you know, for me, it was less about a story. For me, it was really about the computer. I was just, you know, fascinated by this, this big computer. Whopper, was, was it? That was it. Whopper, <laughs> wasn't it? Exactly. I was just fascinated by that. And then later on, you know, uh, uh, 
I got I got introduced. I think it wasn't actually it wasn't as US mainframe. I think it was an AS four hundred system at the time. But still, you know, I was introduced to that system because my mother worked in a company had one of those boxes, and you know, the IT guys they they just loved having me around, and I was just intrigued by a system, you know, where you would have to interact with a system by a very strange command line interface, and you know, there wasn't anything graphical. You couldn't use a mouse or anything, and I was just fascinated by that. And then later on, after finishing college, you know, I thought, okay, so where, where should I go? And, you know, I sent my resume to Microsoft and sent my resume to IBM. And I really decided to go for IBM because they had this, this obscure system that nobody really knew anything about. And uh, it, 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 it was really this fascination that got me started in the mainframe world. So tell us a little bit about that first job. You come out of college, you've sent your resume around. Kind of what was that first, career, first sort of career step on the platform? Yeah, I, I kind of lucked out, right? Because I think it, and, and you you may remember this, right? I think back in the late '90s, early 2000s, I didn't. I had this first wave of trying to rejuvenate the mainframe, right? So mm -hmm. they brought Java to the platform, WebSphere to the platform, a lot of new stuff, Unix system services, right? So kind of the Unix com uh, compatibility, which was a big thing. I mean, Linux was still very much in its infancy, yeah, uh, back in the late '90s. But that was kind of the time where I came in. And I really lucked out because I was able to get on uh, get on board as a uh, performance specialist. I was able to replace a, uh, a gentleman uh, who you know who was on the platform since its original days back in the early '60s, and uh, take over from him. You know, being introduced and learning just you know, uh, and that's what I still love about this platform. You know, I was able to learn so much. And that's how I got started. I got started, started as a system engineer, a performance specialist. I did all the uh, good RMF and SMF stuff. And uh, yeah, that's how I got started in the platform. So maybe wind us forward. So you, you're coming on, you're sort of hands-on with the platform in a performance role. Kind of what's next? What was kind of some of those steps that get you maybe join the dots from there to when we started working together and you'd kind of m more moved into a sort of business and management type space. Yeah. So again, I was uh, a, a system engineer, uh, expert uh, for, for many, many years, then uh, evolved into more of an architect, uh, systems architect, you know, designing larger, larger systems, uh, had some sort of a CTO functionality, you know, I didn't call it at, the, at that time called it CTA, but it really was a CTO functionality for, you know, for the large accounts. And uh, I covered the financial services sector, so covered a large account in the financial services sector. And then I got asked by a former client of mine uh, whether I would like to take it. Their uh, head of mainframe retired. Again, you know, I, I think I was just... I think it wasn't wasn't really good at what I did. I think it was just at the, the right place at the right time, right? So again, another retirement. Uh, that customer calls me up and asks me whether I would uh, want to become the, the head of mainframe, take over the mainframe department. And you know, after as an IBMer, you know, uh, talking for years about uh, you know how customers should implement their systems, best practices, and all those nice PowerPoint charts, you know, I. I just really was intrigued about the chance of, okay, now I can prove it. Now I, we can really do all the stuff that we, that we we were talking about. And uh, yeah, took that position. And that was very, very uh, eye-opening, you know, just to see, you know, how such a large environment uh, 
works in practice, you know, all kind of the responsibility that, that is on you as a head of mainframe, as a mainframer in general, because, you know, I mean, if those systems, as you know, if those systems go, go down, you know, it, it's not like you, you just reboot the server underneath your desk. You know, a, a company really is in bad, uh, is, is in bad trouble. So, you know, I kind of started to understand better, understand that better. And then also work with a lot of uh, young kids during that time. You know, one of the things that I did uh, at, at Swiss Re, uh, which was the company that hired me as a head of main, mainframe, was, you know, onboard young talent, get kids from college or, you know, through an apprenticeship into the mainframe uh, department, which was also, you know, very, very eye-opening just to see how those young kids uh, adapt to that decades-old technology. So that's what I did for a couple of years. And then I got a phone call after, I think, four years at Swiss, I got a phone call from an old friend at IBM. And uh, they said that they were looking for somebody to lead the mainframe business in Asia Pacific. And uh, I always had a love for Asia. My wife and I, we always wanted to go to Singapore. And sure enough, the job was in, in Singapore. Uh, took, the, took the opportunity, moved, relocated the whole family to Singapore, lived there for a couple of years made a, a lot of great friends in in uh, in asia it was really again mind opening just you know that the speed uh, the business culture in, mm -hmm. in pacific and after that i was uh, asked by a dear friend of uh, both of us uh, jose castano whether i would like to join the the, the worldwide team the worldwide IBMC hardware sales team and that's where the, the two of us really work closely together right well, I think that's fascinating. and I've had the pleasure of hosting the show now for a number of years, and it's really interesting. You've been in one technology space your entire career, but you've been able to travel the world. You start in Switzerland. You spend time in Singapore. You end up ultimately in working for a startup in Raleigh. But the one constant has been that mainframe. You've done technical roles. You've done client roles where you've actually ran the platform for a, a big organization. You've done leadership roles. Kind of, is that something, has that mainframe been that constant throughout? It sounds like it has. But, I mean, I suppose the point I'm trying to illustrate is you can build a diverse career across multiple countries on this platform and, and that's my shared experience no absolutely and i think you know i, I listened to your show previously and i think uh, some of the other uh people that you had on the show had, had exactly the same experience right so yeah the technology was really that constant and it's also nice because you know in a lot of technology areas you have to you know completely forget every couple of years you have to completely forget what you've learned before right i mean uh, the, the, take the Linux Foundation and the Linux kernel, just as, as one example, right? I mean, Linux reinvents itself every couple of years, right? There's a brand new kernel and everything is different. And the nice thing from a technology point of view, right? I mean, the ISPF that I worked on, the mainframe interface that I worked on 20 years ago, still looks very, very familiar to this day. Yet, as, as, as you stated correctly, right? I mean, I've done everything from very hands-on system engineering, you know, working on you know, the customer's data center to being a manager, being in sales, uh, being an architect, and now working at a startup. And it's really interesting. We've got a lot of younger listeners to the show, and I think that's the key part and why we're so keen to get you on the show. You've got such a diverse career across 
you know, three big continents on this platform. What's been some of the learnings? What's been some of the sort of key takeaways? You're very humble and say that it's always good to work for somebody who's close to retirement age, but I don't, I don't think it's just pure luck anymore. What are some of those key takeaways that you've seen? Uh, well, I think in general, and you know, the mainframe world is 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 ideal for that, right? Just just mm-hmm. listen to other people, be open to learn, right? I remember, you know. I joined during the dot-com bubble, and and I think in general we in IT, you know, have the problem that we always think the new stuff is the best thing there has been since sliced bread, right? And and there's a lot of people that go out there, and I I was the same, right? Back in the ninety, I, I thought I, I you know I'm I'm the smartest kid on the block, and and uh, whatever we do is is new and great, and you know as I started the mainframe uh, world, you know it, it was really humbling experience. It, I was working with people who were doing IT in some shape or form for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Right? And even though it looked different 40 years ago, you know, you, again, you had real punch cards to do your batch processing and, and stuff like that. I mean, the, 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 the architectural principles, a lot of the IT principles that our modern cloud world is, is based upon, you know, go back for 40, 50, 60 years. Right. So, just be open, have an open mind and be open to listen because I think that that is a unique thing in the mainframe world. We have so many people with, you know, such great experience when I was working at IBM in my last job where, where the two of us met, you know, I mean, we had the pleasure of working with so many great people uh, uh, out of Poughkeepsie that have been with the platform for decades. And there's just, just, just so, so much of a learning experience. Uh, my, my suggestion to, uh, people join the mainframe world, the uh, younger kids is really have this open mind and, and be open to listen and to learn because there's so much to learn in this, uh, in this space. And I think that's been consistent as I've been the host of the show and had the pleasure of interviewing so many sort of luminaries in the, in the mainframe space. Everybody is really keen to bring new talent onto the platform. There's pathways to do that through skills, through learning. But I think it also comes down to people like you and people like me and just people like us across the whole community who are just really keen to act as mentors, act as kind of mounting guides as people look to build a career in this platform. It's been my key takeaway that the community as a whole is invested in bringing new talent through. Is that what you see? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I remember, you know, kind of during the early days of my career, I also worked in other, other platforms, right? The Linux space, the Unix space, and the Wintel space. And, you know, oftentimes I got the, perhaps it was just kind of my, uh, my gut feel to it, but I, I got the impression that, uh, you know, people that were closer in age-wise, you know, I, you know, it was in my early 20s, you know, people that were in their early 30s, you know, would be more reluctant to share their knowledge and just be, you know, open kimono and say, look, this is how you do it. Whereas in the mainframe world, everybody from day one, you know, was just, okay, I, I got to tell you everything. I got to tell you every little secret, every little tweak, every little hint, uh, which makes it just so much easier for, for somebody to start. Well, I mean, I think there's a reason why the big sort of user conference in the U.S. is called Share. Yeah. 
because people genuinely want to share their knowledge, expertise, and share the cheat codes. And I don't get that same impression that that's how other communities, it's kind of a bit more competitive in yeah. this space. So it's interesting. I mean, right. that kind of leads me on to one question. You know, one of the questions I always ask our guests on the show is, you get the opportunity to go back. We've invented a time machine, and we give you the opportunity to go back and and talk to 22-year-old Eddie who's just starting out on his career, you know, looks even more good-looking than sort of middle-aged Eddie does today. But what what advice would you give? What would be your sort of what, – what's your experience and how would you condense that and talk back to your – sort of impart that to your younger self? Yeah, I th so I think there's there's uh, two things, right? So, so first, there's going to be the dad advice, right? Which <laughs> is probably broader than technology. And, and the, the dad advice is just read more. And it sounds, it sounds stupid, but there's really just, you know, out of books, out of reading, out of experience of other people, you can get, just get so much knowledge and wisdom around anything, whether it's, you know, how to lead your life, how to be better at sports, everything, right? So just read more. To, everything has already been written down by somebody smarter than you, you so read more that's kind of my dad advice and then the mainframe uh mainframe dad advice i guess <laughs> is would just be stick with it right there were many times during my career where i thought you know that there was the next hot thing coming up and i thought well you know i really have to get into this unix thing i really now you know i should really just fully embrace linux and you know, ditch that whole ZOS stuff and, and do something completely different. And and I think the best thing, and it's probably just pure dumb luck, the best thing was sticking with the platform, uh, sticking with the mainframe environment and, and just, uh, you know, growing in that ecosystem. I think that's interesting. I mean, you're a case in point of somebody who's built a career across more. You've kind of been able to change the location where you do your job, change what the job is, change how technical the job is, whether it's strategy, sales, technical, hands-on, whether it's been vendor side or customer side, but you've kept consistent on that mainframe platform and kept consistent on the technology. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, I think that the last piece of advice is, which is again, probably back uh, more of a dad advice, is just do what you love, right? I mean, I think that the one consistent thing is, I always had this passion, this this wonder, this love for for the mainframe platform, and I, I, I stick with it. Right, and I always say, I'm a really bad salesman. I remember I've been in so many sales calls where I had to sell something that I didn't believe in, and you know, I start blushing, I start stuttering. Uh, so I'm really bad salesman, but but I believe in what I do, and I love to share that. So uh, once you have something that you love, then uh, yeah, stick with it. So as we start to wrap up here. I ask this of all the guests on the show, and I think you've got a pretty unique perspective. Where do you see the platform sort of three, five years out? We both know IBM's working on Z17, so there's no point sort of talking kind of what that next box is going to look like. I'm thinking sort of more across the industry, more across the landscape. What, where do you think we'll be three, five, maybe sometime even beyond that? Yeah, so, I mean, on a high-level perspective, I think the, the mainframe will be alive and kicking. Mm -hmm. uh, even though there's naysayers out there, there have always been naysayers out there, but I think the mainframe will be, will be alive and kicking. I think just from an architectural point of view, you know, there, there's just certain workloads that, that 
benefit from a uh, you know a, a extremely consolidated uh, architecture with high levels of security, low latency, right? And I think there's just nothing that will will replace it for certain workloads. For other workloads, yes, yeah, there yeah. are other architectures that are that are better. So I mean, from an architectural point of view, I think that will continue. You know, large banks will continue to run very large mainframe installations, uh, airlines, insurance companies, governments. So I think just generally, I think the, the platform has a very bright future. But I think even more so, and, and I guess that's also kind of a hint to our friends over at IBM, uh, I think that the future could be, will be even brighter if uh, I can continue that journey of opening up the mainframe, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we're here on the open mainframe podcast, right? So I think it makes a lot of sense. But, you know, if we go back to kind of how we started the podcast and you asked about Model 9 that we do, you know, there's so much innovation out there, right? And innovation, whether it's technology innovation or innovation just in young people that have bright ideas, great ideas, you know, you have to, you have to open up the ecosystem. You have to get those bright ideas in. And then the, the mainframe ecosystem is just a great place for those great ideas. Again, whether it's people or, or just technology to, to grow and, and make the platform even better than what it is today. I think, I mean, you know, I feel that way about the platform as well. I think particularly what the open mainframe project are doing, what you're doing to sort of transform some of those paradigms that have been there since the very early days of the platform. I think that's how the platform evolves and survives. So I couldn't think of a better way to start to wrap up here, Eddie. So it's been great chatting to you as always. Likewise. And uh, look forward to catching up sometime soon. So thanks very much for being on the show. Thank you, Stephen. It was a pleasure. Take care. We'll speak to you next time. You've been listening to the I'm a Mainframer podcast. Please click and subscribe, and we'll catch you on the other side. Thanks very much. Thank you for tuning in to I Am a Mainframer. Liked what you heard? Subscribe to get every episode or watch us online at openmainframeproject.org. Until next time, this is the I Am a Mainframer podcast. Insights for today's mainframe professionals.